Hi there, this is David Hayden Jones, otherwise known as Mr. Catch on Supernatural, and you are listening to Kneel Before Pod. Kneel Before Blog presents Kneel Before Pod. We pray at night for the helpless, hoping you get us through breakfast. Wishing somebody come save us. Black lightning's back, come to shock the haters. Hello and welcome to the first edition of Neil Before Pod, actually recorded in 2018. I'm your host Craig and I'd like to wish all listeners a happy new year on behalf of all of us here. Beginning our year of podcasts is familiar territory for us, superheroes. Specifically, we bring you our patented extensive coverage of the first episode of the new DC TV show, Black Lightning, titled The Resurrection. Joining me for the first official recording of the year is Chris. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. For the first time today, honestly. For definitely the first time today. <laughs> and Aaron. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. For also the third time today. Uh, listeners, we had some audio issues prior to this, so we've recorded this intro about four times. It's uh, it's happening. So and this was the best intro we could come up with. <laughs> this was the yeah. best one we had. Yeah. Wow. Bodes well. Anyway, uh, eagle-eyed listeners will know this is not the first podcast of the year. It's the first recording of the year because we finally managed to dig the time travel podcast out of the the space-time rut it was in and get it online. So if you haven't listened to that, please do because you'll find out why Aaron hates fun. Hate it. He hates it. And some other stuff that we kept bringing up without actually having a podcast to reference. So out of time. So an advert for our first our first upload of the year, rather than our first recording of the year. But this is our first recording of the year, so welcome back, guys. We're ready to talk some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, the DC TV machine continues to forge on with a, a new CW show called Black Lightning, which is kind of in the Arrowverse, but not really. Well, it's not in the Arrowverse at all, but we'll get to that. So... Chris, what did you think of Black Lightning's first episode? Without spoilers, as usual. Without without spoilers, I wasn't too sure what to expect. I'd watched the trailer and I had a, a rough idea, but I was pleasantly surprised by it. I'm not 100% convinced as yet, but I think it will grow on me. Cool. Aaron, what did you think? This will, I think, if it carries on as it is, become probably the only DC show that I will be continuing watching. Wow, you just sack and flash then completely. I think so. I think so. After the thinker nonsense that I've just watched, um, um, I gave it this, the start of the fourth season. It's fourth season, I think, and yeah. that I said I would. And it's yeah, yeah. It didn't. It didn't grab me. Um, so I'm out. Oh, fair enough. So, but the, the show you liked? Well, so far, I, I think. I can properly explain now this commentary on on me disliking fun actually because of this show there's there's a very contemporary plot line that runs through the foundation of of black lightnings as uh, well certainly the first episode I assume it'll have to carry on and it it gives it a real purpose a sort of a, a real meaning when you're watching it now and I am just attracted to that. And I think 
the, the other DC shows, because they're heading in a different angle, they're they're trying to be entertaining and trying to be fun, and and that's a good thing. There's definitely there's 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 room for that. I I per- couldn't personally challenge that at all, but I I like to see that that meaning, that purpose in a plot line that makes it just that little bit more relevant. And and Black Lightning is has taken that angle. Cool. Uh, I really liked it. Um, I think it was different enough to to what was we've seen before with the other shows, although not so different that it's alienating because it's, you know, it's easy to, to just kind of go in a completely off-kilter direction, but if it doesn't, it might not just, it just might not land with audiences, and I think that's um, part of the problem I had with kind of the Netflix shows. Some of them were just a bit, well, other than being poorly paced and, and dull to watch, I think the, the direction they took things in didn't work for me, so... Um, I won't go into too much detail about that because that's another podcast. But uh, I think uh, Black Lightning kind of gives me enough familiarity without, um, you know, without sticking to a rigid formula uh, as as much as it could. So um, yeah, I was well on board with it. Like the characters, like the setup. I, I just like it, and I'm looking forward to seeing more. I'm really excited to see what will happen with these characters and and this status quo in the future. So that's as much as I can say without spoiling. Uh, we're ready to head into some kind of spoiler thing, section thing. First thing, place, yeah. space, time. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be some kind of lightning strike or electricity sound effect. Aaron, have you got anything spoiler-free to say before we go and spoil it for everyone? I think that it's... I mean, it's difficult to comment on on this from an outsider's perspective, but it's a big deal that this is a black superhero set in clearly a black America, and definitely, as I say, a modern America. And it's it's such a prominent part of what we've done. And I think we could comment on that without going into spoiler street territory place yeah uh, we could um yeah part of the the entire dna of the show is the fact that obviously the lead character is black but almost all of the cast are black and um it's certainly built around the kind of um mistreatment of african-americans in in american society in certain places Uh, it's unclear where the um the city is supposed to be but you could probably make some comparisons based on what you've heard in the news or, or whatever else. I mean, there's people that are of greater authority to talk on that kind of stuff than I am. But I'm able to just see what's happening on screen and, and react to it. So, you know, even though it's kind of... It's not something I can necessarily relate to as such. I think it's something that, that anybody could watch and get something out of. Well, I think the only reason I said that... It- it's difficult to talk on. I just mean from an, an internal perspective. Clearly, you can't say, oh, this speaks to me on any personal or historical level because having not grown up in black America, obviously, I'm not going to be able to do that. But still, it it seems that, as you say, they've picked that very important plot line that is especially police mistreatment. Yeah. Of, of black Americans is very prominent in today's news. And there's a difference between the American and the, 
British news, which again has that distance to it for us as, as three white Brits, but we still have that form of institutional problem over here. It manifests very differently over here, I think, because we don't have the same gun laws at all. So you don't really see the same foreground, for want of a better word, plots in our news. But you know that it's still there because it keeps getting mentioned every, well, regular news broadcast. So we know that there's this ongoing problem. And that's one of the most interesting things for me, just because it has chosen to take an everyday problem that we are facing now and I don't know how much it plans to tackle that and how much it plans to just have it in the background either way it's important because somebody is doing it and bring it to the attention and it stops anybody especially people that might have that distance like us forgetting that this is still an important issue of the day so I'm happy to see the program just because it gives me this window that I'm not getting from a lot of other parts of the science fiction or or superhero genre that, that you know this is what this is what I like to see. I would like to see science fiction standing up more and saying this is what's going on, we need to get involved. And Electric Dreams almost did that with a couple of its episodes that we've just seen here on, on British TV. But it's still a rare thing. So a welcome seeing it anywhere we can, any contemporary issue put into a plot line. Yeah, um, and I think there's I think there's a lot to unpack from, from that and the way they handle it. Plus it's all, it's not unheard of in, you know, media anyway you know the the film detroit that came out i think it was last year um that, that's very much about police brutality and the you know neighborhoods um that are predominantly populated by black people and things like that so um it's out there people know about it and therefore there's enough of a grounding for people to kind of latch on to it even if it doesn't speak directly to them and it's obviously it's the next step of um the, the CW's effort to diversify the casts in their other superhero shows. You know, the the other four may have kind of white leads, but they, they do have in the background a, a more diverse cast and, and their guest stars are pretty diverse and they're not frightened to change races of comic book characters. You know, they just, they just bring them in and no one really bothers about it. So this is the next step. You know, let's have a... Um, Let's have a lead character who isn't the the kind of standard template that that people might be used to seeing, and that's that's something. I think it's interesting to see this show as well. Like, who's watching Luke Cage? And so far, I haven't seen this in one episode of Black Lightning. But there were parts of Luke Cage where it was this show is black. It's very black. There's lots of black things in it, and it's all black. And they really push that angle, especially with the the radio interview. You know, you you you, you couldn't miss it. Whereas at the moment, I think I like the Black Lightning setup as in this is modern day America, and it, it seems a bit more subtle. Which it's is not as stylized, is it? No, it, it really it feels like you're you're watching some other. 
uh, drama that you could have equally as watched anywhere on American TV, which is, which is, as it's, so that subtlety gives it this very grounded presence that you think these are believable everyday people with their everyday problems. And, and that I very much welcomed. It, it does actually make you wonder though, I think, when, when these shows are showing you black America and then Luke Cage definitely showed black America and then in the other shows we're seeing white America, as you say, the, the flash and arrow. They've put their extra cast in but they're all supporting. Yeah. You know, they've, they've gone down the supporting characters being, uh, lesbian or gay. But still, they're supporting characters, and there's only a few here and there. So they're bringing these things in, but none of these things are forefront. But I wonder if the next step is going to be moving on to what would be a truly gender-neutral, race-neutral show. It makes you wonder where this is going to go, and you think, oh, actually, I wonder, if, can we write that? Can we not write that now? Is, these, is this inaccessible at the moment? Are we having to take these steps towards this ultimate goal? Or, or, or could we jump straight to it? It's, I don't think there's an, op- an answer to that. It does feel like it's very much an open question, though, for the, the whole of TV land. Yeah. It's I kind do of like think- Doctor Who, how they could have, you know, they could have cast a, a, a white... Um, oh, sorry, a black male actor in the lead role instead of a white male actor in the lead role, but they just skipped straight to gender flipping, just went right for that, you know. And um, I wonder if they they're just gradually pushing the envelope to see what they can get away with. So, like, you know, the uh, I think it was the Flash that first introduced openly gay characters as just casual references, someone talking about their husband or whatever else, um, and then you know that kind of bled into the other shows, and um, so it's kind of and then colorblind casting when it comes to certain characters. I think it's maybe we'll we'll see we'll do this and we'll see what happens. And then they you know the obviously they do it with side characters or supporting characters or, or kind of recurring characters at first just to maybe that test the water a little bit. And then they move on to well this I suppose which is the next logical step in in terms of pushing it to see what it can get away with and will people watch the show? Will people engage with the show? And Judging by the early reactions, it seems like it's worked. This has got to be different to the other ones, though, isn't it? Because the other shows are taking something that exists and trying to bend it to fit. Yeah. Whereas now we're taking a character that was always black American right from the start. So it feels like this shouldn't be testing the water because nobody realistically would be offended by a character being what they already were so this this shouldn't this shouldn't be an acceptance issue this because in the, terms of the the focus you know so we've, we'll have this lead and, and we'll have the show built around this entire premise and um so that's that's more what i mean rather than in terms of pushing it rather than you know they're not doing anything new or different here as such but they're they're doing something that's kind of it's not really being done much before, if at all, in a kind of weekly TV, certainly weekly network TV series kind of format. You know, Luke Cage doesn't count because it's a streaming thing, really. Yeah, I guess, I see what you mean, that it's new. It's certainly new, but it's one of those things that, well, the the response should be, it's about time, rather than, oh, I wonder if people will accept this, you know, you can... You can imagine that the people are saying that the sort of people you don't want to speak to anyway. You know, it's new for this genre, 
I would say, because there's been other dramas out, there's been other recurring series which have had uh, black leads and have had that 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 focus. Um, but this is the first we've seen with that. I'm going to use something that probably doesn't fit, but this hyper-realistic value to it, where the other CW shows are set in a, not a cartoonish universe, but along those lines. I think Arrow, when it started, was closer to realism, but it's kind of drifted off into, along with the other shows, into this yeah. world of magic and superheroes and everything. But the background world seems equally as fake now to the rest because you go well society wouldn't react that way people wouldn't react that way whereas this program seems to have have taken that and gone you know what people would react this way to to superheroes being about or to a a, a black vigilante being in town or a a a street gang being about so they they seem to have gone for a a different angle definitely a and definitely a darker theme to it as well i mean some scenes are you know we'll talk about once we go into the spoiler section i suppose that that show harsh truths of things that are actually going on in the streets and if that doesn't make people go oh well that's 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 terrible seeing that in drama surely that doesn't happen in the real world it does that's why it's there so i i, I do um think they're doing a, a great job of showing that and it'll be interesting to see how that continues on They've done a very, very strong start, but I'm interested to see if it's going to be, oh, we'll focus on an, an issue a week, which you hope they don't. You hope they just they, they, they carry on the way they have and just uh, drip feed it and, and do it properly. Yeah, Certainly, I think that that's the biggest thing that marks this out from the others' shows, actually. Why, I was talking with Craig earlier about this, actually, that I didn't think that this show would be able to easily do a crossover with the other shows because the tone is so different. This tone is like the Marvel Netflix shows in that it is it doesn't derive its humour from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer roots that most of the... Well, in fact, all of the other DC shows do. It's It does have that more... Yeah, as you say, f- fixed in real problem setting. It would, it would be weird if Black Lightning turned up in the other universes because he would have to look around and go, the physics of this universe is different. You know, these guys have a proton, an electron, and a funny tron because there's that humor that's just fed into the whole funny tron. <laughs> but but, but it, it's there, it's there in their very universe. You know, mm-hmm. everything is built around the yeah. quip, the gag. It, it, it is definitely there in their metaphysics. Their characters are almost required, excuse me, to make a joke at a certain point. Absolutely. So I th- he would he would suddenly feel like these people were aliens looking around, you know. And one of the other characters, you know, Cisco drops into what is effectively the real world. He'd be horrified. It's so grim and nasty here, you know. And he'd make a quip, and everybody would stare at him. And it, it, it then it, it just wouldn't. It would be really difficult for them to to, to blend these. Um, yeah. But it, that makes it a good choice, I think, from DC because it means that they're going for both markets. Like uh, Craig, like you said earlier to me, that Marvel have gone for the funny verse with Shield, and then they've gone with the serious verse for their Defenders show. So they've. They've already tried to corner both. This is DC trying to corner both. It just gives you that variety. It's, yeah. It means they can capture a bigger audience, which is 
got to be a good thing for them. Um, yeah, well, it's interesting because, you know, the, the, the Earth One set shows, which is Arrow and Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, but that's all over the place time-wise. Um, they kind of live in a, a universe of tolerance, don't they? You know, where these race issues never crop up, really. Supergirl, it does, occasionally. But that's more related to aliens. But you do have the internal, you know, the, the, the humans hating other humans aspect for, for various reasons. So they did a really good bit about Mexicans in, in the US and um, how what people have called them in the past, you know, like... Like someone, some commander in chief, we could we could name perhaps. Um, so they they talk about that, but I think in certainly the Flash and Arrow, you know, they'll um, every mixed race gets along on together. Um, no one mentions anything. No one bats an eyelid when people are in open open same sex relationships, etc. Whereas this is a world where that doesn't necessarily happen, and that's that's interesting. So yeah. It would, yeah, Cisco turning up in this universe would be like, what the hell? What's going on? You know, it's 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 just closer to real life with added superheroes, I think, than um, than the other universes. It just it would clash a bit too much, I think. And like you say, the issues issues do exist in the other universe, but they're kind of glossed over in the background. They are not up front and centre, and it's never harsh truth. Like you say, they will do it as aliens rather than focus on it being a race issue. It's a, a human v alien issue. It's um, except in well, one instance, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Except you know there have been odd bits, but like I say, it's always been very background and then pushed on again. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. I think without going into the spoiler bit, I think they've they've done a a good job of setting up this world. It's brutal to watch in some of the scenes because it is it is honest in what it does. It doesn't do what the other shows do, which is try and sort of gloss over it a bit. It doesn't have the humour angle to the extent that the other shows do, if if at all, really. Um, so. Yeah, um, I'm interested to see if they if they stick with their convictions with this and they don't try and twist it and bend it a bit to try and fit with the other stuff. I think if, the, if they're going to go their way with this particular universe and maybe bring other characters into it or bring, you know, as in other shows and into this verse, they would need to completely restart them because they just wouldn't work bringing the existing characters over. I think I think the multiverse thing is the way you do it if if you do it at all, which you know they don't have to. Not everybody has to interact, but you know the multiverse thing would be the way to do it because then then the purpose of it is to highlight the differences. Although I think we're we've been encroaching on spoiler territory for a bit, so I yes. think we should just I think we should just uh, flip that switch and get there because otherwise we you know we'll, we might spoil stuff for people. And interestingly, if if any listeners are the people that listen to us for like five minutes until we. <laughs> until we decide to start spoiling it and then go away then and maybe come back we'd like to hear from you we want to know if our efforts are appreciated so uh, just a just a thought interact with us we we like people to talk um so ready for spoilers then go for it cool um Aaron you ready for spoilers aye What right. an impressive lightning rod you have. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
let's uh, not go there. But uh, yeah. Okay, so now we can uh, we can fully talk about spoilers. So we, we've kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, I don't think there's much more we can say about it being another Arrowverse show, but not in the the same universe. Because what more can we say other than, yeah, this is totally different. They've made the right decision in trying to take it, let it stand on its own without having to worry about connecting to anything else. So this is something that can just build organically out of itself rather than build from pre-existing stuff, and that's good. Um, I think that's um, I think that's been a good decision. And maybe if it's popular enough, if there's enough demand for it, they'll find some way to do some form of crossover eventually. But get it out the first season first, I would say, before you start thinking about doing stuff like that. No, I, I basically what I said before, I think they should let this grow in its own little pocket of the universe, kind of like they've done with Supergirl, but to a greater extent where they go, listen, this is out on its own, doing its thing. And leave it that way. If they want to create new characters in this universe, but keep it tonally the same, I've got no problem with that. But I'd have a problem with them trying to adjust this to fit the others, or likewise trying to adjust others to then fit into this. Yeah, I could say that if they did want to bring the other characters in, the only way that would interest me is if they took perhaps even the same actors, but gave them a different character, like. This is the serious version of Barry Allen. This is the serious version of, of Green Arrow. And people like Cisco would be totally different. And, but if, if they had to mix them up because that was what the fans demanded and the money wasn't going to be answered otherwise, I'd want to see that. I'd want to see not a portal open and the people come through, but I'd want to see this world's version of those heroes and see where that went. Well, I quite like that, actually. That's quite a neat idea. I still want to see the Oliver Queen that belongs to Supergirl's Earth and so on, especially after the crossover established that there, there are duplicates everywhere. So, But, um, yeah, the, that that might be cool. Uh, what it, What is Oliver Queen like in this universe? What is Barry Allen like in this universe? Are they superheroes? Are they not? Why not? I think, yeah. I think you may get a token something on the telly in the background or a newspaper headline or something. They have been quite known for doing that, dropping a name in a conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll see how it pans out. Um, I certainly don't think they'll... From what the interviews with the producers have been saying, they're not thinking about crossovers yet. They don't really have to think about their big crossover until next year. Um, or the one... Well, it'll be this year, actually, but... You know, they don't have to think about it for a couple of months yet, like in terms of starting to build it. So whether they want to build this guy's part of it or not, it's up in the air. It depends what they do. So I'm fine if they do and I'm fine if they don't at this stage. But um, I'm always keen to see how people interact, you know, with uh, across all these shows. But uh, that's just the fanboy in me talking. And there's no way of silencing that voice. I think what I might also throw in at this point is something else that occurred to me whilst I was watching it. This angle that they've taken on more down-to-earth, more contemporary, is the exact angle that I wanted from the DC films. This is what I wanted to see out of Batman vs. Superman, whereby these characters are existing in a slightly grimmer, more realistic world. And I won't promise that the films have done an amazing job. We've discussed that on other podcasts, but I do think that was the direction that somebody was heading in, success or fail, 
the Black Lightning universe is what I think, well, what I've seen of it so far, is what I think the DC film universe could have been. And I would have loved to have seen the Batman in this world, the Superman in this world, and seeing them struggle to be human against a world that was fighting back against that. And it, it, it's a big shame that the, the films didn't make it. But if this TV series makes it, this will be the thing that I've been looking for, I think, for quite a while. Yeah. Um, I think that's a valid point. The the DC TV guys have always demonstrated an ability to um, to come up with, you know, to come up with stuff that resonates with people and... Certainly, this show is no different. At least, um, again, based on early reactions. I mean, uh, I've only seen bits and pieces, but uh, certainly all the review sites I look at, including mine, have uh, done it positively. You know, have have been very positive about it. I've said that the C- the CW producers have done it again. They've got another hit on their hands, etc. Of course, this is just the pilot, and we all know that sometimes everything is thrown into making a great pilot. And then the rest of the season is crap. That well, happens very frequently. Seeing, seeing as you bring that up then, first episode, there's one thing about this that stood out for me that I think is really rare, which is one thing that I remember The West Wing for. I remember watching The West Wing and thinking, the first episode was really well built. The first episode did not rush through anything. It didn't have to prove anything. And I think this Black Lightning episode as well, the way they introduce everything, and we, we could talk about the individual elements, but cr- has created an excellent first episode in its right. It's not excellent because it's Black America. It's not excellent because it's contemporary. Those are what makes it interesting. But it has been excellent because the introduction of information that the audience needs has been so well paced throughout the episode with with only one thing that I thought was heavy-handed, which is which is only one thing out of everything, whilst then still giving you a superhero film where he does fight the bad guys and do all the you know the good action stuff that we want to see. And that's so rare in a TV show. I don't remember the first episode of Flash. I don't remember really the first episode of Arrow. I'm not saying they were rubbish, it's just that they didn't strike me as really excellent first episodes. But I think I'm going to remember this one, because there were various points of it where I just thought, that was just so well delivered. You know, from this external perspective of somebody who knows he's going to be doing a podcast to review it later. I was looking for those extra things that I wouldn't have noticed if I'd just been watching it, because I would have just enjoyed it. It would have gone so smoothly and well. And I think it deserves its praise for 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 that reason. For me, the the weakest part of the episode was the superhero stuff at the end, mostly because it felt a bit like, you know, in the kind of the pre MCU superhero movies. I mean, it still happens in the MCU, to be fair, where you've got this, um, you've got two thirds of something that's really interesting, and then you have that kind of third act clumsily handled big battle sequence, um. So, you know, you've two-thirds of character building, whatever else, and then at the end they fight the villain and the film wraps itself up. It felt a bit like that here. Um, not that the superhero bit was bad. Uh, I actually quite I actually really liked it. You know, the, the introduction to his new costume was cool. Some of the uh, the action was cool. The way his powers works, the way he f- 
he fights and uses his powers at the same time. So like hand to hand combat with a bit of electricity thrown in. It's, you know, that's that's all good stuff. But I thought the I still thought the the final sequence was one of the weakest things about it. Weakest, maybe. I don't know if I necessarily challenge that. But there's parts of the action sequences, though, that were so interesting to me because of the choices they made. The fact that he does have this anger that gets out of control. He he does decide to blow up the police car at one point rather than just saying, I've defeated you and I'm going to move on. He just lets that frustration come right out. And when he's... I forget the name of the... The young cousin, is it? Is it Will? Um, uh, When he's fighting Will, and there again, there's this held back anger. But then he he just lets it go. You think he's going to be nice to this kid because he realizes, ah, actually, you've been abused by your relative and you've been taught wrong. But no, he then just throws him smash into a car. And I don't actually know if that character survived that or not because I was looking out for him, and I really don't know. I mean, the fact that he's a killer, uh, uh, Black Lightning kills, is interesting. I, I got the feeling that he did survive just from the way that they shot it, but maybe he didn't because he was being held there. You know, you do think in, in a hyper-realistic sense, if someone's getting an electricity shot through them, it'll basically just stop their heart. So as soon as he was held there, he'd be stopped. But um, whether whether he survived that or not, I'm not too sure. But I think he did, is the impression that I'm getting from my watch of it. I guess we'll find out in the next episode. I know that um, Lala survives because, um, you know, he gets stabbed but it's not a fatal stab. Um, he gets harpooned. What a way to <laughs> what a way to go. I mean, I've, I've, got, I've got to touch on the fact that, you know, your Tobias is like a proper Bond villain. I mean, he's got the piranha tank, he's harpooning <laughs> his staff. I mean, he is a proper Bond villain. The only thing he needed was a big leather chair and a white cat. That's the only thing he was missing from the Bond villain toolkit in there. You know, two slightly weird henchmen, yeah, piranha pit, and a harpoon gun. You know, he's he's got the, the funny weapon, he's got the killer animal uh, roaming about, and he's, you know... So, spinny leather chair and white cat for the next yeah. episode, please. I, I like Tobias the Bond villain. Excellent. Do you know, that's, I've been saying about how down to earth and realistic this is, and you've just now opened my eyes to the fact that yeah. it's totally not. <laughs> it's, it is totally a Bond villain. And this is, at the beginning, I kind of said, okay, I've got mixed things. And this is one of the mixed things where the, introdu- the introduction shows okay, he's a total badass and he's not to be messed with. Because the first thing is someone going, I'm sorry, as they get thrown into a piranha pit. Yes. And you're like, okay, well, this is the proper bad guy we're seeing now. We've seen we've seen the realistic bad guy of Lala. When you go, okay, that is street-level, realistic, like you say, contemporary-style villain, gang boss who is just despicable in so many ways. And so uh, and so well respected that he can name himself after a Teletubby and no one will call him on it. <laughs> Say my real name. Okay, <laughs> Lala. Uh, <laughs> many people but, tremble at the feet of Lala. Lala, yeah. I, I, well, we're going to get the history of that name at some point, and there's going to be some sort of flashback to it. I can predict in a few episodes' and, and time. Maybe it but, was that he watched Teletubbies and thought it should be bad. <laughs> I'm calling it now. I've said it right here. Which one was Lala? Was Lala the one with the, the handbag? One. 
the yellow, yellow one. one. Was that the one with the handbag? I can't no, Tinky remember. Winky was the one with the handbag. Tinky Winky was the one with the handbag. Yeah. Right. Boys can remember. have handbags too, was the message. Yes. Yeah. But this is not the Teletubbies podcast, so let's not get down that rabbit hole. No, that's, we're saving that for the 100th. <laughs> uh, so it's... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so you've got your hyper-realistic villain of Lala, and then you go to Tobias, who is, like, just Bond villain-esque. And I, I, I don't know whether I like that kind of dynamic, or I don't. I, I'm, I'm still to convince myself, and it kind of depends on where they go from here. I think um, I, I think I would have... I mean, if I was making it, which, what, you know, why the hell would you let me do that? But... If I was making the show, I would have probably left Tobias out until the second episode, at least, because, I don't know, it feels a bit early to have a string-pulling villain in the background, and, you know, that's something that all of the shows produced by the same people on the CW have, you know, you have these, you have the full episode of something, and then you have the, you know, the the sting, essentially, and, and, and he's the sting, isn't he, you know, he's the, he's just this guy who's in the background that no one really knows about. Uh, who's doing stuff and is influential for some reason, and um, I don't think it's bad as such. And you know, he's he's certainly memorable, and it does reference all the comic book aspects of the show as well. You know, because obviously that's your that's your history, that's your legacy. Then keep it, yeah, keep it on there. Um, it's just maybe maybe it's something to tease in the second episode rather than the first one. Just a thought. But it's already happened, so you know. Yeah, so it's already it's already happened. But I do think they could have maybe got away with showing I don't know the back of his head watching the TV and reaching for the phone or something yeah, like that. Yeah. A subtle, a subtle background way that maybe would have kept people guessing. You've already seen his name up on the the billboard and the police station, so you yeah. know I suppose who they're looking for. They've got the black lightning poster up, and then next yeah. to it is the one for Tobias. So you you get a casual introduction to it, but. But yeah, I'm, in, I'm interested him. to see where he goes because you've got, like I say, Lala is one of these ones that is, it's despicable when you see him sort of disciplining his, his son in the shop and the way he treats them and the way you presume that he's been treating the cousins and the the relatives and, you know, what what he tries to do to um, Jennifer in the bar, in the club, going, oh, well, you know, she's yours now and, by the way, we're sending her to the motel. Yeah, it's just yeah, one of these moves that you just think, oh my god, this character, and it's um, yeah, proper properly dark. Yeah, and the comic book stuff is actually still there as well. So it's interesting how the two things complement each other because you've got the uh, the Gambi character, um, who is you know the guy that makes the costumes and makes all the gadgets and stitches them up and. Presumably, will eventually sit at a computer screen and talk to him through a headset, you know that kind of stuff, um, which is fine. You know that's again what people expect from superheroes. But the the fact that the the surrounding setting is so, I guess, visceral is the word I'm going to use. Um, it adds that kind extra dimension to it and and makes it interesting. Um, but I'm interested into the background of that as well. He says he's been he's known him for years. He's known. Uh, you know, he's known the family for all that time. The clumsy, it is um, the clumsy you're like a son to be or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's bits of the exposition there which are 
extra clunky. There's a lot of year references in this as well, and I almost wanted to write them down. I started writing down where it was like, oh, it was nine years since I last used my powers. It was seven years since we started, you know, I became head at the school. It was like, and I'm thinking, why are they giving us all these sort of bookmark dates? There was a lot of that that was going on, like, oh, it's been ten years since he appeared back on the scene since winning his, like, okay, why are all these dates coming in? But, Hmm. yeah, the Gambi character i quite interested in because it seems like almost a character that is going to tie in other people down the line if there if there's ever other heroes roaming about this seems to be someone that's kicking them out with their outfits you know yeah yeah in terms of the um the setup anyway i mean the the opening of the episode kind of tells you almost everything you need to know about what you're about to see because he's um He's bailing his daughter out of jail because she was doing a protest uh, that turned violent. And then you skip immediately to him just being pulled over because he happens to be black and there was a robbery in the area. And this tells you just it tells you exactly what they're going for here, exactly what kind of stories they're going to tell. And tells you a lot about uh, Jefferson Pierce as a person as well, because he doesn't he doesn't just take it, he challenges the policeman and says, oh, so the description was a black man in a suit driving a Volvo, you know, just to kind of highlight how ridiculous it was. And I thought that that was really effective. No, I thought it, it properly highlighted it. And that was the scene that I was talking about earlier on uh, when I was saying hyper-realistic, brutally honest about the world that we are living in now. And awkward to watch going this actually happens. This isn't them over-dramatising something here. This isn't them going over the top. This actually happens. And you're going, it's just... I thought it was very well shot with it being in the rain and the thunder and the him trying to hold back, yeah. getting all that. I thought that was done really well. And then the drama, the two, the two daughters in the car, one trying to film it, uh, the other trying to sort of fight back, him having to hold him back. Because the thing is, if they start arguing and fighting more, the police just go heavier and heavier on them mm-hmm. every time. And it's, yeah, I thought very well done in there. There was a speed of that that got me as well. I think that's what I meant by the first episode being good, because I've noted that down to Craig, that everything that you need comes before that first, the credits roll up. I think yeah. it just comes up black lightning for for a second and then it goes on but right everything you need is there they've they've managed to get it in without exposition as, as chris says there is thunder and lightning in the background so you know that he has that power of electricity and the the guys the, the police can feel it in the air when he almost takes control of it yeah, throughout the episode he's well. throughout the episode he's him and his daughters both try talking before they try violence and that is him in the first scene as well. He's He does try talking first. He's angry, but he doesn't go for them. He talks to them. And the daughters are going to be in it because we know it's going to be a, about them as much as he is. So they're in the first scene. So they're set up as well as he's set up. It's so slick. There's so much that comes in. And never is anything given as exposition, I think, all the way through until Gamby. I think, Chris, you're right at that point. When when he comes in, he starts to just give you data. And you know why you're getting it, but because your brain is having that conversation with itself, yeah, we need to get through this bit. 
But then you realize, I think, the bit that your brain activates on and says, ah, this is exposition for later episodes. It comes so late in the episode. They've done so much before it comes to that point without having to use any heavy-handed script. That's that's what I was impressed with. I thought the scene where he was um, being honoured was a bit um, exposition-y as well. Mm. There was the... He's uh, so he's been an educator for this long, and he's done this, and his daughters have done this, and you know it's kind of like the the, the bullet points of everything you need to know about the the character history up to that point. In terms of the, well, in terms of his career as a principal, it kind of catches you up on what he's done for the school and for the. But it doesn't ever do it in a way that isn't appropriate for the scene that it's in. I mean, equally. If if you if you think about it that way, they managed to ram in that he's got a connection with lightning by having thunder and lightning yeah. overhead, and in in the opening scenes. But there's nothing that feels like somehow they must have got the weather channel to take their weather machines out to make it thunder at that point. <laughs> it's a, no that that actually could have been real. That just happens to be a coincidence. You know, nobody had to try and force anything into the conversation that wouldn't have otherwise been there yeah. it's that the conversation that's going on is actually necessary i like the fact that you knew that he had a relationship with the ex-wife to the extent that you got their past and their connection to the two girls without somebody saying something along the lines of, do you remember when we were married? And I used to have trouble with the daughter, and now you're having trouble with the daughter. You know, that, that's that kind of forced. Yeah. Well, that, that, what bit it did, was, that bit was fine. It was the bit before that where the, you know, the whoever it was. It was a sort of speech, the senator. Yeah. It yeah. reminded me of the scene in Iron Man where it was like, Tony Stark, he's a genius. He graduated from here early. You know, it was just the kind of the info dump. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it's not something that I'll say was bad. And it's, it does get you the information about his career as an educator as well. You know, it's, I mean, I suppose how else do you do that? But um, yeah, after that, where he was going, he could have talked to someone influential in the community. And instead he said, no, I've, I've met them before. And then he prioritized speaking to his ex-wife. So that gives you an idea of, they're still on good terms, but they're still separated. And then it gives you the lingering question of what separated them, which is then answered a few scenes later. Yeah, why would why would they break up? And yeah. then you you kind of get it. I mean, I, I see what you're talking about with that with that speech because it does kind of go through him. It also mentions the two daughters. Yeah, you know, she's a medical student who also teaches three days a week at the <laughs> school, and the, you know, she's a scholar athlete following in her father's footsteps. There's a bit. There's an. There's a bit of that in there it's not as clunkily done and it's one of those things that you've got to accept i think from first episodes that you're gonna get scenes like this because they do need to try and tick the boxes so that in the second episode they can properly roll in rather than going okay we 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 gave you a little bit of a guessing episode in the first one now let's sort of tick through there who's who who does what and who knows what and i still think there'll be little bits of that to come obviously because it is still finding its feet but it at least they seem to have got it done in a neatly packaged way, especially for those opening scenes, as much as there might have been a couple of exposition bits later on. I think the reason I didn't mind it so much was because at events like that, that is the sort of thing people would say. You know, when you introduce somebody and when you're really trying to show off about who they are and you, if they're about to give a speech and you are... As given that introduction, you do list their achievements. That is what our society does. It's not like they had to produce 
an, uh, a speech that would not have been carried out under those circumstances, which is, which is where it feels more forced. For that purpose. But, um, and I, I think that's the thing about the Gambi one. When, when he started talking to Gambi, that, that's when I started feeling like it was, uh, as you say, they're manufactured for that purpose because they probably wouldn't need to go over their history together and start talking so much about what they did because they both know. Whereas if you're giving a talk in front of a school full of people, there could be visitors, there could be guests, there could be people who have known this guy but didn't realise where he came from. You know, yeah. it, it, that that is a speech that's in place. Whereas, yeah, some of the things they were talking about with him and Gamby was, yeah, when he says, I haven't transformed for nine years as if he was Jekyll and Hyde. And you're thinking, well, <laughs> you, you, don't, you wouldn't say that. That's not the way it would be. That's not the other guy knows that he's got his calendar in his hand. He doesn't, you know. We're not all getting out and comparing watches. That that was, I think, that's put together. That that's a bit Frankenstein. Whereas the other ones, I felt it was, it was relevant to what was going on. No, definitely. It, I mean, it just it tells you it's two characters talking about things that they both should already know and not have to say. And um, yeah, that's that's always going to be a bit clumsy, but it was almost necessary because otherwise it's like, who the hell is this guy? And then. You know they have to do something, but I wonder if um, I don't know. I wonder if they if, if they had just left that scene out, and then towards the end of the episode, he just goes and gets a costume from this guy, and that probably tells you enough about their prior relationship. To be fair, I had enough for, simply from the fact that he was the guy that pulled him off the street and stitched him together. Yeah, you know, you've got a back alley doctor that that you can go to because the police and the hospitals wouldn't be able to tolerate you. Yeah. I already know that this guy is a confidant. They've worked together before. He recognised what Blank Lightning was. He immediately sorted him out. That was it. That was enough. And then if they'd have introduced his Q aspect from from down in the basement with all the machines, yeah, that would have done it for me. I think even having the scene where I'm finding him on the floor and saying, oh, I'll help you get stitched up, and then they do the, the shot of him getting his email later on, uh, picking up the email saying he did a lot of good, you know, and then having yeah. him going back later, I think would have worked. Yeah. Um, even if they needed just to add an extra bit of, oh, they're definitely in, in contact and he knows about him and it's, you know, to add that extra layer, I'm not sure. But In fact, since you mentioned that email, that would have been quite powerful because the reason he could have been sending him an email is because um, Jeff refuses to talk about the history, whereas Gamby wants to bring him round to see, as you say, the good things that he's done. Well, if you're not going to talk to me then, I'm going to send you an email. And yeah. it, it, it would have fitted in in that way. Yeah, because ultimately this I mean, this first episode is you know, it has to establish the reasons for him to put the costume back on, because it makes it clear that it's been nine years, so what after nine years would make you go back to something that you thought you were beyond and don't and not doing anymore? And, I mean, the the catalytic incident is when his daughters are kidnapped but throughout the episode there's just little you know the city used to have a, a superhero protecting it now it doesn't you know it's it's kind of like he's confined his focus to other things but hasn't realized that the problem that he was fighting against in costume it still exists and is possibly worse than it was back then so um there's kind of like little hints about the maybe i should be kind of back out there using my powers 
And and I like the way it kind of gradually builds to that because even after he saves his daughters, it's like nope, it's not over because he because he realizes that there is a bigger problem that he can't solve as a high school principal. I think there's an angle to that as well that shows you the story was built up in such a way that it doesn't fall into the won't somebody please think of the children angle, which is that his daughter is 18 and stupid. (laughs) You know, she, she gets into trouble. And one of the best things about that is that trouble has consequences. And in the real world, when those consequences come for you, you can't turn away from them. You have to deal with it, and your family gets dragged down with you. So, it's it, it is the daughter that that starts this off, and then because she's actually kicked over a hornet's nest, it's something that won't go away, and it gets bigger and bigger. And this would have ended up on the news in if he wasn't actually Black Lightning. It would have been uh, the point where the two parents were in the police station talking about the fact that their daughters were gone and they weren't coming back. And yeah. that that whole thing builds as a realistic story that we've all seen, albeit slightly exaggerated for a city that's been taken over by a gang. But honestly, you just have to move from uh, America down to Mexico and you've seen what some of the, the gangs do there. They own the city. They own Mexico City. You know, there are... What was all those students? There was like several hundred students that just were vanished one day and then they found the bodies and then the parents picked up after it. So it definitely does happen. And of course, then it switches at the end because he can go full black lightning and that's that's where the superhero stuff kicks in. But before that, it was, this was a real story caused by a real stupid teenager. Yeah. And it's the the fact is that the city is diseased. You know, there's this kind of rot that's just eating away at it and it's it's maybe something that he's maybe not so much forgotten about but sort of ignored over the past nine years because he's removed himself from it but it hasn't gone away I mean it does mention the whole um, when he goes to speak to Lala it's about the I, I, I agreed with the gangs that the school was off limits so he has this kind of little oasis in the middle of the um, in the middle of the city that you know gangs can't touch but outside that it's just chaos and it's getting worse and he's kind of, he solved the problems that, that existed in the school, but not outside that sphere of influence. It's quite interesting that way. I was uh, Oasis was the, the word I was going to use, to be honest. You know, he's, he sort of built this little, this little bit that he can control, and he goes, you know, at least when they're in the school, I know that everything's going all right. And then it, it's... It, and then it flips that when they just walk brazenly in and kidnap oh, yeah. in broad daylight in the middle of class, you know. So yeah, that's it's that it's his little bubble is starting to burst, and that's enough to kind of bring him back out of hiding. But what what I like about this is not only have you got the the fact that you know you've got a black superhero, but you've got an established family man at the heart of it as well. Yeah. It's not it's not a twenty something superhero. This is a father of two who's had a life, who's uh, been out there, which I think is a nice change of dynamic for one of these programs as well. You've got other characters in the, you know, the wider universe of this that have got kids, but normally it's they become a parent partway through the series and it's, oh, how will they cope with this and how will they cope with that? It's, it's never 
oh, they start out as they're a parent, they've got kids, they've got... It's it's always the kids that are the superhero or the, you know, and the parents that are in trouble. Whereas this is a nice change of dynamic, which I, I quite like. Yeah, and it's, and it's around the whole... Um, what does a superhero do after the... After being a superhero for so long, you know, can mm. is it sustainable? You know, what what are the consequences of sustaining it for a long period of time? And we see the moment he decided to give up, which is, you know, he was in a bath nursing his wounds while his wife looked on worried, and then it was the um, it was the look of horror on his daughter's face that I think did it for him, that made him decide to jack it in completely. I know he said before that that's the uh, that's it, no more. But I get the impression that that was a common conversation that they had. Um, and then he would go back out there, but the the kind of look of horror in his daughter's face is believable as a, a reason for him to try something else. No, I definitely think that was a defining factor when you see that flashback. Um, I watched this a couple of times, and I think that flashback is where he goes, right, that's that's it, that's enough. Yeah, because you have that conversation once a week when he comes back badly beaten. You know, and he's like, nah, I'm giving up, I'm giving up. And then the next day he's like, I can't give up. There's, well, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's the conversation that we've seen a million times before in other shows where they go back to the girlfriend, the girlfriend goes, oh, you've got to stop doing this. You know, and they go, yeah, yeah, totally, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop, that's it. And then one episode later or halfway through that episode later, they're back out there again. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's good to see it being a bit different. Yeah, and I think um, focusing on... Uh, Jeff as the educator, you know the the respected part of the community was was really good as well because even when he talks to Lala, there's that nuance nuance there, isn't there? You know the the bit where um, Lala clearly has values that he learned from from Jeff years ago, but the way he's chosen to apply those in his life is um, is far different than what you might expect or what Jeff might have expected from him. But the thing is, out in the real world, it doesn't necessarily work the way that he would have been taught, you know, and because um, I suppose Jeff lives a bit of a privileged life in that sense, you know, as in his, you know, he has a nice house, his family are, are not stuck for anything, you know, he's he's clearly not hard up for cash, that kind of stuff. So maybe he is a bit divorced from the, the actual problems of the the less fortunate as well. I think there is a level of isolation there, a little bit, but you would still think he would see what was going on around them, understand, you know, even from the conversations he has in the school where he says most of these kids have got parents in prison or mums in prison or yeah. uncles in prison. So he does know what the situation is like out there. And I don't know if he thinks that I give the kids a good start here and I'll lead them on the right path. And Lala's maybe an example of where he's failed. He thinks he's given them a good start. He's taught them the values and look what he's done. At the end of it, it's it's not improved. It's if anything, it's it's a character that's still not that great out there. Yeah, and it's that complexity that makes him more interesting as well, because it is just more than a a villain of the week or whatever. He's he is the antagonist, but you can sort of you can sort of see that he's given it a go, you know, and he still he still believes in good manners. Which was which made for a quite mm. a good scene where the, the kid walks in and he's like, "Hey, that's not how you talk to people." And shake his hand, you know, and and that was that was interesting because then you you start to think, oh, maybe this guy is um, maybe this guy has listened." And then a minute later, he's pulled a gun on him for you know for stepping on, stepping where he's not welcome, 
but he still has a form of respect for him or for the standing that he's got in the community. He understands what standing he's got because as soon as he speaks to the... Um, I can't remember the name of the character that abducts the two... Will. ...daughters, yeah. So he speaks to him and goes, you've abducted the kids of... The people around here look at him as black Jesus. <laughs> and that's the level that people think of him because of the, you know, well, you hear in that sort of opening speech that we talked about earlier on about all the respect that he's got in the community. He's got senators bigging him up before a fundraiser. He's got all this, you know, all this respect for what he's accomplished. And he's just went and abducted the two daughters. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, he does have a respect for him, or at least he knows that he is not to be messed with in that particular way. Yeah. And it wasn't that Black Lightning's going to come for us as a result of this. It was, no. the, it was that there will be consequences for what you've done here because of this person's standing in the community. They've got influence, they have, they have contacts, etc. And you see the contacts earlier. It's like, thanks for pulling strings to get my daughter out of prison and or out of, out of lock-up anyway. I think it was as bad as prison. It was just a violent protest. But, the, but it was that, you know, he does know yeah. who to speak to to get things done in some place, in some cases at least. I've got a question about that police inspector. Do you think that police inspector knows he's Black Lightning or not? That's a good question. Um, I don't think he can because they introduced him as the person who fought against Black Lightning. I mean, it could be a cover. Maybe that was the whole thing. He well, he he, yeah. he, he pretended to hate him so he could let him go, I suppose. Well, you've got Tobias thinks he killed Black Lightning. Because you get that thing of, well, who's, whoever this new person is that's taken up the mantle, you've peeved him off, you've got an adversarial relationship with him. So Tobias thinks he's been killed. Yeah. The police inspector does all these scenes where he says, oh, this wasn't Black Lightning. We're not looking for Black Lightning, we're looking for someone that was on drugs and came in and, and, and done that. And blew up a police car. And blew up a police car <laughs> using lightning-like powers. Um, so I, I didn't know whether from that I was getting, oh, he knows who it is or he helped him maybe maybe doesn't know who he is but had helped him in the past i don't and there's one line that helps explain the anonymity aspect as well you know the the fact is um there can be someone else that takes the mantle because they say that other cities have people with superpowers mm-hmm. um so you know it's it's not an unknown commodity in this universe uh, who those other superheroes are we don't know yet obviously but it's the fact is yeah, it's not unusual for someone with superpowers to, to come and do stuff. Um, if he was, like, the only one ever, then it would be difficult for to believe the fact that it's a different guy. But, no, this is common enough. I think uh, people are willing to accept the fact that, nah, there's a new Black Lightning in town. Yeah, I just couldn't work out if he knew or not, if they were being very subtle about the fact, oh, he does know... Or if they were just setting up, no, he doesn't, and eventually he's going to get found out, and it's going to be whether he, he cuffs him or he tells him to stop or something. They could still go either way at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I like that they've left us guessing, to be honest. I do I do like that. Having a bit of guesswork. It's a TV series. You don't have to answer everything yet. Yeah. Um, so the, the family unit is, is obviously one of the, the cornerstones of the show. Um, Jeff and his two daughters, Jennifer and blanking on the other one's name, help. Vanessa. That's the one. Uh, so what they've got is, well, they live in a, a broken home essentially because the, the obviously they're divorced and for some reason that we don't know, um, Jeff has the uh, the custody of the two girls, and it's interesting how Anissa has done taken on the maternal role 
you know, she's the oldest daughter. Um, there is no mother figure in the house, so she's doing it. So she's the one to, to chew her sister out for staying out too late in a club where she almost gets killed and um, kind of loosens the reins a bit in terms of that. You can go to this house party that you're not you're totally not going to until 10.15, but no later. And you know that Jennifer's going to push it, and she probably knows as well, but there's that, you know, there's that maternal aspect to her, but it's also the fact that she almost resents the maternal aspect, which... I suppose it's quite common in, in TV shows or films where that kind of dynamic exists, but it's it's done well, I think. I thought they built a family well from some of the little details too, actually. The one that really stuck out for me was that the school, after Will has come for the first time to threaten, and he almost pulls a gun, yeah. the... The two daughters are in the principal's office with their father, and just as they leave, one of the daughters leaves, which defines her at her heart, by storming out after talking about her people, whereas her father is, has dropped back down to just taking care of his immediate family, not thinking of his community beyond that. Mm-hmm. And the other daughter says, I love you, and gives her dad a kiss which is perfect for the description of the daughter who secretly wants to get away with everything, but knows when to keep dad on the wrong right side with a a quick little of uh, friendly, I love you. And yes, I'm a sweet little girl, really. And I I thought that was just nicely played to the two characters, letting you know exactly who they are. One of them's a bit spoiled and trying to get away with it. and, And the other one is, has really become, a an activist yeah and it, and it takes she takes after her dad in that respect he's clearly someone that's you know uh, rattled cages to get things done and she's just trying to do that same thing although maybe she's not a bit as smart about it as he was or you, I mean you don't know what obstacles he faced to get to the, the point of respect he's gotten to so it's possible that you know it's possible and likely that he made a lot of stupid mistakes when he was her age um because that's what people do when they're teenagers or um well I mean I don't know how old the, the well it's uh, Jennifer's supposed to be 18 or lying about being 18 no no she's definitely 18 because you have that line about uh, uh, legally she's an adult but uh, emotionally and financially she's still a child um so and this has got to be 21 22 something like that I agree that she's that old <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, I yeah, guess. So, got, <laughs> so what, I'm, what I'm getting at is, um, is when he was 21, 22, whatever age he's supposed to be, he probably did a, a few stupid things that might have landed him in, you know, in the police station too. But um, I guess that her arc might be about getting to that point where she plays things a little bit smarter. Learn from your father's mistakes that he did yeah. the experience, so you don't have to kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's obviously there's um, hints that, or more than hints, uh, that he's learned um, what the right way is. You know, he he tries to calmly talk himself into the back room at the club, and then that fails. And he said, "Well, I tried the right way," and then just gets violent right afterwards because I guess that's his only option at that stage. Yeah, I mean, he, he he tries to talk his way in and then goes full at him at that point. Um, 
The, the only bit I noticed about him going to the club is the fact that he had a tracker on the daughter, or at least on the daughter's phone. That's yeah. how he found out what it's club. Like it wasn't It wasn't that he tried to find out which parties were going on or look at her social media and see where she's just posted a picture or something. It was a tracker. <laughs> well, that's quite common. I mean, kids can have their phones tracked by parents now, can't they? You know, it's mm. find my iPhone or find my ch- family or, or Latitude, I think the name of the app is, where you can have your friends track you and stuff like that. So that's not uncommon. It's maybe a kind of stylized um, upgrade on that kind of concept, but I don't know. I, I'm surprised that Jennifer wouldn't think to turn her phone off to so that her dad wouldn't know where she is. Yeah, know where she's been. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I think it just sort of said a little bit about the character to me that he he's had the foresight to put this in. This isn't hindsight after uh, the abduction or anything like that. This is he's he's already got it there. He's already got it ready and, and tooled up. So. It also saves you a few scenes of him finding out where she is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, like, like I say, you could do it the same way of uh, I'm checking out Facebook and seeing that she's checked in on Facebook, mm. saying, here I am, or the universe Facebook equivalent, Bookface, or whatever they've got. Bookface. Yeah. Bookface, you know, just do it the other way, no one will tell. <laughs> Friendface, I think, is my favourite version of that. <laughs> Friendface from the IT crowd. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, they maybe could have done it that way, but I think the way they've done it kind of is an interesting little clue to the character that I picked up. Yeah, I agree. It's um, it, it shows how committed he is as a father. It shows that he's smart, uh, that he's not taking things for granted. He wants to keep his family safe, and you know this. That's one thing um, in this show that really stuck out at me. I mean, the thing is. Um, the Flash, the plot, is so motivated by act- characters acting like morons. You know, characters who should know better, who should have learned these lessons, acting like morons. But I wouldn't say that anyone in this show acts especially stupid in a way that, you know, a way that tears the plot apart. I mean, Jennifer behaves stupidly because she's 18 and stupid. And, beha- you know, her behaviour is kind of rebellious and what any teenager would do. But it's not that... It's not that she's compromising something that she already should know. As such. You know, she probably... She knows that what she's doing is dangerous, but thinks, I'll be all right. You know, and I, that's I like, a common teenage thing. Yeah, I kind of like the, the reasoning that they give. You know, she's got this title, what is it they call her? Sort of the, the Queen, Queen of, of um, Garfield, yeah. Garfield, because yeah. Our, 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 our dad's the headmaster and she's this sort of scholar, this athlete she's doing so well. So this is our rebelling against that image you know i don't want to be known as the the goody two-shoes the person that does this so i'm going to go out and i'm going to go to this party when i shouldn't i'm going to go to this club that everyone knows is full of gang members and what's well, called you know 100 club it can tell you yeah. everything you need yeah it's like the police the police are doing a, ga- a great job of keeping the gangs under control when there's a club named after the gang <laughs> yeah but it's i i so i i get the reasoning behind her going. I don't understand how he didn't notice that she wasn't in the room when he gave his speech and he got the kids to say their brainwashing phrase in front of everyone. Um, but, you know, I, I, I get why she was there and I also get why her sister let her go as well. Yeah, You know, she lied. She said it was, oh, I'm going to a house party or whatever. And you're like, okay, well, she would let her go to a house party. You know, she's not watching the speech either. She's disappeared yeah. off out the room. So it's it's fine, you know. I also like that he can't, like, 
give his daughter a row for what she did because he wasn't there because Black Lightning was allegedly there. Yeah. That, that, I, was, that was interesting. So it's kind of like, I really want to do this, but I can't. You know, that, that he can't say anything because and when he speaks to his ex-wife and it's like she was at the hundred club and, and he's like was she <laughs> it's just this kind of the way he's keeping his secret identity and, oh really no yeah. way, uh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. and apparently black lightning was there was he and he was like of course not i was talking to this guy who would totally back up my story if you asked him yeah i i, I went to get my suit repaired <laughs> by the guy that used to kept me out when I was yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aaron do you think anybody acts especially dumb to for the purposes of plot movement other than you know teenage rebellion dumb no um, I'm not sure I can add anything more I'm afraid to what you've already said no I don't think they do yeah. and it's, it's quite refreshing I mean obviously there's still plenty of time in the season for well, that was stupid, or you know that that they're clearly only saying that or doing that to get the plot moving, or you know I, th- I think it's hard for any TV show to counter that consistently. But um, certainly, if they keep up what they did here and keep it to a minimum, then that'll be that'll be really good. There was there was the superhero trope of uh, him standing on top of the motel with the police interviewing everyone down below and none of the police looking up. That yeah, that was one bit where I was like, yeah. yeah, was Black Lightning here? Oh, we've got no idea. Who's that on the roof? With the light-up suit. It's like, oh, it's, it's him. All right, okay. I'm not <laughs> that, sure what that I think of the, the costume, actually. It'll need to grow on me, I think. The costume is the only bit, I would say, that is almost taken from the other universe. It is the kind of costume that you would expect to see on Flash or Arrow or something like that. A big light-up neon costume. Um, is something I would expect from the other universe and maybe not quite this one i do think it you know it sort of fits ticks all the superhero boxes but i don't know i was expecting maybe some sort of not dark knight style armor but something along those lines i'm surprised they went the route they did with it actually because i still think this compares to the 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 marvel tv shows and in those usually when a character stumbles across their their suit taken from the 70s or 60s comic book, they have a reason to be dismissive of it or make a joke of it or go, good God, who would ever be worn? Who would ever wear something so horrible as that? And when when the guy says, I've had a great idea for a new suit, I was expecting the very next thing for Jeff to say was, you have got to be kidding. I'm not going out in a neon sign. <laughs> and he doesn't. So they, they didn't do this obvious joke that... I probably wouldn't have minded because I, I, I sort of wanted him to reject it for that same reason that Luke Cage rejected his, his crazy yellow, gold band, suit, uh, which, mm. uh, yeah, which which wouldn't have worked in the modern age. But no, it doesn't. He puts on the neon sign and and then goes to a a hotel with more neon signs. So I thought, <laughs> oh right, he is actually sort of blending in with this. Uh, a den of prostitutes so so maybe that was the choice i mean the, maybe the police did look up and they thought oh look there's a new neon sign the owners put up that's nice it was camouflage Urban it was camouflage. smart camouflage yeah, yeah. 
I like that. That's, that's good. I mean, you've got this sort of recurring thing through the, the whole episode, which is, oh, nice suit, <laughs> through the whole thing. Yeah, and it's People always just referring going, to his... Yeah. Um, nice suit. Well, his, his, uh, work, well, his, he has two work suits, I suppose. The, the suit he wears to his day job. That, yes. Yeah, that works. But yeah, the... Um, I don't know. The, the, I think the costume will grow on me. I mean, it is a good reference to... A good update to the Black Lightning comic book costume. Um, as I understand it, I don't know that much about this character, so this um, this show stumps even me. I think I only really know him from when he's turned up. And funnily enough, the the thing that we maybe don't want this to do crossovers, you know. So um, I think he appears in Young Justice for an episode or two, uh, which is a cartoon uh, for those that don't know. Uh, but other than that, I don't know that much about him. But you know, the, you're doing a superhero show in the CW. They got to wear a costume. And he's wearing a costume. But I wonder if uh, he's really leaning into the Black Lightning as a symbol type thing, which is a bit Dark Knight or a bit Batman Begins. And uh, But the, the the symbol idea being easily recognisable. And also it stops him, it stops bullets, which, you know, that's got to appeal to someone who might otherwise protest wearing it. Well, he still seems to be cut to an extent when he, when he goes in the shower after the... the um Scene, or is that from earlier? That's, that's earlier. That's that's before he puts on the new great idea suit. Ah, right. Okay. No, there there is the shower scene afterwards. But he's already got that wound, hasn't he? Because that was the wound he got earlier. It, has, it just hasn't before, magically yeah. healed, because it wouldn't. Mm. Well, the thing is, even if like, yeah, I mean, he is still getting shot at point blank range with guns, right? So, it doesn't matter how strong your body armor is, that's still going to bruise. But can it stop a harpoon? There's only one way to find out. Yeah. Well, if someone just shoots him in the face, he'll be all right. You know, they'll be all right because his face isn't protected. No, that's part of the physics of the universe. You never get a shot in the face as a hero. Although you see him like he's holding his arm up, covering his face as much as possible. No, that's just for sure. You never get shot in the face as a superhero. It's part of the <laughs> physics. Yeah. Well, if they're really right. taking advantage of this, all superheroes would lead with their face everywhere they went because it would just make them immortal. You always aim for their shield. You always shoot their shield. Don't shoot exactly. their feet, their arms, or their head. Aim for the shield. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, the suit is is what it is. Um, the storytelling is is top notch. I think the the tell their plot well you know by the end of the episode he is black lightning again and and then i guess the next episode will be about him balancing the two sides of that again or finding a way to balance that because he still has to keep up the the facade well, it's not a facade but he still has to do good work as a principal while being black lightning so is it going to be he's tired all the time because he works all day and then is fighting crime all night um because it could be the first of these Arrowverse shows where you actually see them go to work consistently, and that's part of who they are. That would be interesting. <laughs> actually, turning up at work—that never happened. Well, he has to be show. there. Like, I mean, principals—they must—they work long hours Monday to Friday, don't they? You know. So, hey, I'm going to a meeting. Like? I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. disappear up for a bit. You cover me. I think that's going to be the interesting conflict in this show: is that he's not going to be able just to run off like you see in these other programs. Uh, family life is going to be there. I hope they don't go along the obvious pressure point route with the family, but 
we'll see. It depends. I think they'll handle it cleverly if they do. His hopefully. daughter's kidnapped every episode. Yeah, every episode is a daughter being kidnapped or uh, something being held against the school. I, I do think a bit of his empire is going to be pulled down as part of this. He's someone that has built himself within the community, and I think that chunks of that will get taken away, or he's going to have to sacrifice some of it to... He's going to choose, you know, the choice is going to be put before him. You can either be this pillar of the community or you can be Black Lightning, you can't be both. Yeah, and you'll have this episode where his secret almost gets out but doesn't quite... I don't know, I'm hoping they don't go that formulaic with it. But, uh, I, I, they haven't with the opening episode, so you'd like to think they're going to sort of turn against, you know, exactly what Aaron said about the, the costume thing. They've not done the obvious gag with the costume going, oh, Christ, I'm not wearing that. No, 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 no. Yeah. They've not done the, it's not until two episodes time where he goes, oh, and by the way, I've been working on this. And the next time he goes out, he's got the costume, you know, it's... It's, you know, or I've always been keeping this in the cupboard waiting for you because I knew you would come back, you know. Yeah. It's it's one of these bits. We'll just see how it develops. It's very hard to judge on a first episode. They obviously have put a lot of work into this. Well, they could, and, have, they could have thrown everything into the first episode and have nothing left for the remaining episodes. As uh, they, before. they could build a fantastic-looking world and then pull out all the pins that we've talked about that have made it different. Uh, go down I don't think they're going to suddenly flip and go down a comedic route you know you don't want Tobias to be a pantomime villain by the end of it yeah. you you don't want them to to go down all the obvious paths that they can you're wanting them to take that slightly different route and they've built a good universe around them so far a good little world around them so if they don't spoil it they've got a good thing here it's just i don't know how many episodes has this got has this 13. got a full run 13 so ha well it's a full run in the sense of you know you give it a half season to see how it does um whether it'll continue to be 13 episodes and to be honest i think the 13 episode thing is a bit better for these types of shows anyway i mean how often did we chat about last season in Flash where it's like, it's another week where they talk about having to save Iris from dying, but don't yeah. actually do it. You know, it's it's it greats after a while. Um, although, as we've said in the about the, the Netflix shows, 13 might be too many, you know, and for, at least for them. But for this, it's a weekly, it's, it's an episodic, semi-serialised, presumably TV yeah. show. So I think the the 13 episode thing works better whereas with the Netflix shows they're trying to tell a complete story but then they just languish a bit in the middle as a rule it seems well you get the obvious holding pattern episodes of we're achieving absolutely nothing by being here this week you know you can skip two weeks ahead and we will be in the exact same position having accomplished nothing yeah Um, you know the self-doubt episodes (laughs) in the middle yeah, you know, I shouldn't be involved. I shouldn't be doing this. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to contemplate life and everything. And then, two episodes time, they're back. I win again. But it's, I, it's a very strong start, in my opinion. I think it's well acted. I, I think it was all very good performances, especially in this episode. It's, it's hard to judge whether we'll we'll either look back at this and go what a promising start and then we'll look what happened or we'll go and it continued at a great pace and got even better. Moving through, I hope it's the latter. Yeah, well, we'll 
likely revisit this in the finale and uh, after the finale and see what see what happens see how we th- we saw it going down and what we continue to think about it um except from Aaron's propensity to just abandon shows at, at certain points you know you could get three episodes in and decide not to watch it anymore well, Aaron, Aaron does the correct thing. I do the wrong thing, which is I continue watching, where Aaron's quite happy to lop these programmes away. I add too much to my plate. It was like polar <laughs> opposites. We've only got a certain amount of time here, and there are infinite shows to watch, so I, f- I don't feel like I need to do my duty and watch them. Like they totally the other way around. I've always said that I'll continue to watch one, uh, all Arrowverse shows as long as I'm enjoying at least one of them. And this one will be included in that because even though it's not the same universe, it's, you know, the same people and, and all that stuff. And plus it's superhero stuff, so I'm loath to... I love superheroes, so I'm loath to abandon a superhero show, um, even though I have done in the past. So um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I think coming back for the finale would certainly be interesting and um, to, to talk about that, to, to see what we thought about that. Uh, if you guys are willing, of course... Date to be confirmed. It's sometime in April. If I haven't, DB. if I haven't dropped it because it's, it's gotten worse. This this could be the time travel podcast, couldn't it? It was where we're talking about. Yeah, we're going to do that final Black Lightning uh, podcast at some point <laughs> in the future. It's it's coming. It's definitely coming. I'll do it as a monologue. <laughs> that will never happen. Don't worry. Well, you've got to have two microphones. You've got to pan one left, pan the other one right, and then you can talk to yourself properly. Yeah. Yeah, that's what people want to hear. That's exactly what people want to hear. Yeah. Um, plenty we'll just keep those 100th episode podcast ideas rolling. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of superhero shows out there, five of which are on the same network, made by the same people. So that's interesting. So, um, And this is this is one that definitely stands out, I think. You know, I, I wouldn't say it's as different as and as left field as something like Legion, but it is definitely different enough. Is that something you well? It's something you guys agree with clearly based on our conversation, you know. Yeah, I, I do think it's it's different from the other universe that they've built. It's not like Legion to the point where it's it's keeping you guessing in a completely random way, where it seems like there's a roulette wheel spinning at the end of every episode, and you're going, "Oh my god, what the hell did I just watch?" But it is different. I'm interested to see where they go with it, which is my catchphrase for all these things. Um, but it's 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 got a promising start. I don't know where they're going to go with it. There's obvious lines and there's unobvious ones, and I, I hope they take the sort of route less travelled with it. Yeah, um, and it differs from Legion that it doesn't have any dance routines. Although there is the, um, the the jogging scene, which is a bit kind of bizarre. <laughs> well, it's, it was the, the jogging scene was one of those ones. It's like bookmark going family man, family life. They hang out together. Look how it's going. And I don't know, was it necessary? Maybe I suppose so. It's, it's kind of it's not a stating the obvious scene. It's saying that they're a family and they're together and they do things together without. Um, highlighting it so much yeah. without putting a big ring around it or I don't know it's um, it's a good element to bring in it he is a family guy it is a, it is a functioning family 
realistic style family. Yeah. Um, it's not completely broken and obliterated and him depressed. I think it would be a different show if um, Lynn had the daughters and he didn't. Mm-hmm. I think it would be tonally different. I think it's good to give him the set of the family. So, yeah. Um, kind of as one of our final things before we wrap up. What did you think of the tease of uh, his daughter having powers like his? And it, I mean, I thought it was. Maybe a bit soon for that, but I don't know what they're planning to do with it, that's the thing. But it maybe it just feels like, alright, this didn't need to be in this episode. But also, why is there always a super superhero or powered person starts learning about their powers while in a bathroom? And, you know, it usually results in breaking a sink. They did it in the first Wolverine film. Uh, they did it in The Amazing Spider-Man, and now they're doing it here. And is there going to be a point where um, Jeff says, what happened to the sink? I can't challenge the potential sink stereotypes you brought up there, but I think <laughs> that is it necessary here? Well, if this is going to be a show, as it was advertised, about him and his daughters, then actually I do want them to get to it. I don't, you know, I don't want it to suddenly turn into that later on if, if that's going to be contrary to what they are setting up. But I was told through the marketing that it was going to be about him and the daughters and therefore I, I don't think it does seem ahead of time I, I want it to follow almost immediately with what just happened to the sink what did you do <laughs> and for it to be because that's the, you know if we're talking we about this drop it and not, not yeah it, if know. we're talking about this realistic styly world surely someone has heard the porcelain sink crash into the floor and the water start going everywhere and she's going to start screaming or, or go, what's happened? It can't be that they go, oh, the sink fell off the wall all by itself and <laughs> it, oh, we'll get a repairman in to do it and no one was around when it happened, it's fine. I, I, depending on what they're going to do with her getting her powers, yeah, sure, get do it early, starting to get it. I, I don't know if I'd, I'd prefer it this way than this really slow, meandering hint and to finish the whole series with there being a, a father-daughter crime-fighting team. It's like, get it out there immediately. She's going to want to use her powers. Her dad's not going to want her to use her powers. Whether he reveals that he's got abilities at the same time as that is a completely different thing. You can imagine the conflict there'll be if she finds out, oh, I'm not allowed to use powers to fight crime, but you're out there. And, you know, at what point does that all happen and how does that conflict work? Because yeah. it's, it's, it's a different way of doing it, especially when it's a father that's out there in the first place. And Yeah, yeah, they have actually already released a picture of her in costume, um, which I stumbled across the other day. So it's got to be coming fairly soon because in the other shows, when they give characters a costume, they usually, um, you know, they usually reveal it a couple of weeks just before it happens kind of thing. But they've already, you know, through exposition scene, uh, revealed that Gamby knows the family and the films of the family. So yeah. maybe he would sort a da- the daughter out with a suit. But yeah. does she go to him independently or does she get introduced? That's a good question. To, to the fact that he does it. I, I'm just interested in the way it works. Does he then influence in the background without, without um, Jeff knowing and give her a suit? against his wishes or I, I don't know I'm just 
Yeah, I, I, and then I'm he doesn't recognise her daughter and his daughter in a mask. Yeah, well, you know, you've got to keep some of the superhero stereotypes, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. they've put they've put on glasses. Oh my god, I don't recognise that person whatsoever. Uh, you know, yeah. well, where, where were you while our daughter was at a club? You know, the the, the two daughters blatantly didn't recognise their father when he was in goggles. So <laughs> again, it's the physics of the universe. <laughs> Although um, it's it's being narrated by one of them, so. It, or at least the, the opening scenes were. You know, that was the moment I saw him become Black Lightning once again. Yeah. yeah. Um, that narration weirdly disappears, and it could have probably been done without, actually, now that you think about it. Unless it's got to return in every episode. And maybe the final episode of the season will be her kind of recounting the tale from the from the future, or the, the <laughs> recent future, kind of, you know. Yeah, could be yeah. just how they're... Every show has its own little... Um, what do you call it? Barry Conceits. Allen, yeah. So that's how he. That's how they're going to open their every episode. Could be a different character each time. Could be the same daughter's perspective. You'll that would see be interesting. You'll see with a different too. character each time. You know, the yeah. the comedy angle in me wants to go for a How I Met Your Mother style uh, grandkid sitting on the sofa scene, going, <laughs> "Now, kids, let me tell you about the time when your superhero grandfather." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Uh, who knows? But maybe not. Yeah, uh, I think it's we covered this about as extensively as people anyone should. Um, so, any wrap up statements? Any sort of final thoughts? Uh, I think I've covered pretty much everything I want to say. I am going to keep watching it. I'm a bit. Um. I'm. I'm on the fence more than I have probably sounded on this podcast with it. I had to watch it twice to kind of pick up on bits I maybe missed the first time round. If I'm going to have to do that with every episode, then I think it will annoy me towards the end. But I think it's well acted. I like the fact it's in a contemporary setting. I like the fact it's got this kind of realistic angle, despite, you know, sort of Bond villain-esque elements that have been in there and a few <laughs> scenes, you know. I, 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 I like it. I will continue watching uh, or I will do an errand if it displeases me. <laughs> you won't turn it off. You oh, watched eight no, episodes I... of Inhumans. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, I'll watch that, anything. That God damn it, everything. you know me so well. It's if a universal tells, constant. <laughs> this, this tells you everything you need to know about Chris Listers, right? He, he hated Inhumans <laughs> and still watched every episode and then spent like two hours talking about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I started reviewing it, so I was screwed. But um, I suffer for my art. <laughs> yeah, suffer for the possibility of talking about something you don't like in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, Craig, Craig tells me to watch these things, and then I have Craig. to, or I get sacked. <laughs> yeah, I've already docked his pay once. <laughs> half nothing. It's still nothing, but, you know, it's half of nothing. I think that through during this podcast, Chris has opened my eyes to various things about the show that I hadn't seen before, which I'm glad to now look at Bond villain. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> now, do you know, the, the, one of the interesting things about reviewing that I don't yet think I've personally got the skill to get round is the first view problem, which is... You can be so carried away by the feeling of a couple of scenes 
that you don't see past them into something else. And it's good that we do this because this enables us to get past that problem. I think it'd be terrifying to go back and listen to some previous podcasts we've done straight after the event. And I listen to myself thinking, oh my God, past me thought such nonsense, you know. Whereas if if we discuss it through like this, then it, it, it opens up all these these extra things. So I'm glad to see it because... Uh, I'm glad you said it because I, I think it is worthwhile me looking at. I'm, I'm still confident that this show is better for what I want to see than any of the other DC shows. I'm still enjoying it more, and I think I will, unless the Bond villain Neo sign dancing takes to the foreground and it, it then it would ruin it for me. I wouldn't want to see that, but. But yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm no, I'm, I wouldn't quite think it was the golden child that maybe I, I got hung up on when I first saw it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, but it certainly did enough to make you watch at least another couple of episodes. I'd still say it was a good first episode from the perspective of first episodes. Well, it was a great first episode, a very strong the, and confident pilot. I'm, say. I'm, I'm really, I'm confident that it's. It's really difficult to do a first episode yeah. because so many times people tell me, well, you've got to give it a few episodes before it really gets good. And my response to that is always, no, I don't. You don't have to do homework to, to, you know, to then get into a show. It's got to get me in. Um, so, so this has done. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think your point about the whole reviewing aspect, I mean, I, I review pretty much everything I watch these days um, and if I'm not reviewing a show I'll watch I tend to miss it for weeks and then catch up eventually but um, the whole idea of you know thinking thinking about it as a as a piece you know and obviously they put in these moments of spectacle and superhero shows so that you maybe do ignore the hang on this makes no sense aspect of it and there's been a few times that I've watched an episode of Flash or Supergirl or whatever and like I've been dazzled by one particular scene, you know, when they build up to the climactic action sequence and give me that. Um, and it's easy to get dazzled by that. But then usually when I sit down and write about it and think about it, then the rest of the episode presents itself to me because I almost have nothing to say about an action scene as a reviewer, actually, because it's, well, this happened. And, you know, I can talk about how cool it was or how um, how they use the character powers in different ways or whatever, but ultimately there's more to say about a dialogue scene that, that uh, expresses character motivations or um, where people are on, in conflict through talking to each other about an issue. And and that's the thing that you get from reviewing, I think. I mean, I don't know if uh, either of you have been stuck in a conversation where someone has been like, Has he, have you seen this, whatever it is, this film? And you're like, yeah, I've seen it, and they think, I thought it was amazing. And they say, well, I thought I had this problem and this problem. And, you know, you, I feel like I'm going straight to the negative, but at the same time, I think I'm looking at it differently than most of the people that I speak to. Well, the, the thing is that you, if, you, if you like something, you can still pick it apart as well. That's yeah, the thing. I, I, I mean, I, as I, many of these sort of TV podcasts that we've done, even episodes that we've liked or TV programs where we've enjoyed the entire season, you will still pick through and go, and you will always find the thing that you go, it was great, I loved it. I think we, 
but did you see when and this didn't make any sense and this person if that happened in the real world they would die and surely they would have spotted that and if they just picked up the phone and called this person or if they did you know you you, you can start pulling at pins at everything and then you won't enjoy it you've got to you've got to try and give a little bit of leeway and I'm so often on these podcasts I'm the exact same as you but I'll come in and I'll go oh it was great but if they had just done this or they had just done that and when you're watching it without the the sort of reviewer head on you're going yeah I enjoyed it I watched it and I thought it was good and I liked this and I liked the character and I liked the bit but the other bits of you in your head go but what if that gets worse or what if this goes and especially when you're reviewing the beginning of something yeah. You're not you're not looking back at this with the the benefit of hindsight and going well it started good and then this happened. You're looking at it now going well that let's look at the potential building block that we've put here and what can they build out of that. If it had been absolutely awful you're like well they've got nothing they can build from this. I've got no interest in where this is going. I've got no interest in the characters. However what they have built is an interesting little toolbox of stuff. Lots of good little Lego bricks or whatever that they can build an interesting shape out of or it'll all just tumble in on itself midway through which we hope it doesn't so i you know i don't know i'm going a long way around about saying that on on these podcasts sometimes we get stuff wrong and sometimes we get stuff right and hopefully i haven't spoiled this for you No, no, no. I'm, I'm still, I'm still dropping flesh, and I'm still watching this. So. <laughs> oh no! Don't, don't, don't do that. Yeah, right, okay. Oh no! Don't <laughs> drop flesh. It has so much to give. Yeah. The latest yeah, episode I, was actually not bad. To be, I, I've not, I've not watched the latest episode at the time of recording, so I've got, I've got no idea what potential has happened out of the courtroom drama program that we are the courtroom procedural that we now know as the Flash. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> To be fair to Flash, for from my perspective, it lasted a long time. I've watched all the way till season four. I've most most series have dropped a lot earlier than that. That's true. You you stuck with it until now. Apparently, all it took was Black Lightning to come and push it aside. But yeah, all right. Um, cool. Um, so I don't have anything else. Uh, either you have anything else to to say other than. Let's keep watching this and maybe revisit it on in April. I think it's when it ends. I'm up for that. Yeah. And Aaron, if you're still watching it, I'm guessing you you might be interested in appearing for a discussion. Well, that's the critical thing, isn't it? Am I still watching it? Well, stay tuned, listeners. Um, even even if even if you stop, Aaron, I want you to come on the podcast and at the beginning explain where you stopped and why. Okay. How about that? I I, that. I'd be interested to hear that because if we've both lasted and enjoyed it, or even right. if we've lasted and not quite enjoyed it, I would still like to hear where you stopped and why. All right. Yeah, that could be a thing. Here we go. Yeah, that that's uh, something. So you'll either hear an Aaron who's listened to or listened to, well, I've listened to them as well, watched all thirteen episodes and got something out of them, or stopped at episode. All right. I'm going to make a prediction. If he's going to stop anywhere, it'll be episode four. That's my prediction. Are we taking a pull on this, are we? I feel yeah, very confident about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see who's right. Uh, when's the mid-season break? Is there a there mid-season break on this? There won't be one. It'll just run all the way to the end. Oh, episode... What have you gone for? You've gone four. for four. I'll go for six. There you go. Ooh. Almost the halfway point. I, I think it'll get to the halfway point, and if there's a disappointing sort of what would be mid-season, that'll stop. 
And Aaron, how far do you think you would get before stopping if you were going to stop? Uh, I it would have. I don't know. It would have to be something about the plot. It'll be. Do you know? It'll be the point where it becomes as comic book as the other DC shows. Um, and I, I do hasten to add that I don't mean that as a as a pejorative. I do mean that. Okay, now let's let's go. Let's just embrace who I am. When it starts to become fun instead of gritty, that's when I'm going to hate it. Let's as just embrace that evil persona off. right now, okay? Because it just makes it much better. As soon as Gamby drops a witty one-liner, that's it. The off button's going to be pushed and the series record deleted forever. That's it. Right, that's, that, yeah, Netflix you're absolutely right. cancelled. I'm gone. Bye. <laughs> All right. Great. Okay. Well, we have our predictions in. Um, although you didn't name, you didn't number an episode where that might happen. I, I, I couldn't do that. I had to, I had to just go with, go with the emotions of the moment. It's just, it's just a guess, you know. Not name an ep- number an episode, Mills. Okay. Right. And feel free to add your comments to the podcast if you want to get in on our little pool, and we can <laughs> we can give an award to the winner. Yes, uh, you. If you if you name the right episode that Aaron might stop at, or even correctly predict that you'll get through the the rest of the season, then you will have a personalised shout out on the Black Lightning end of season special. There we go. Ah, oh, wow. All those four people are going to be champing at the bit to get this. I don't know. We've offered a prize now. We might get four and a half. Someone, <laughs> someone might get partway through posting something and then think better. You can be internet famous for 30 seconds. Not even 30 seconds. Three seconds. Which is a very small portion of our podcasts. <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we'll headline you at the end. So, great. Uh, so, thanks, guys, for joining me to talk about the first episode of this brand new show. I'm excited about it. Uh, a new superhero show with good stuff going on. I'm excited. And uh, so thanks, Chris, for being on the first one of the year. Thank you. Uh, first recording of the year. We should put that caveat. You were also in the first one of the year, so that, that worked. Yay. Yeah. Thank you for both. <laughs> and Aaron, thanks for being on the first one and the second one of the year. And thank you for ending on such a specific note. I like, yeah, I'm technically correct. The best kind of correct. That was our discussion on Black Lightning's first episode, also called The Resurrection. Once again, Happy New Year to all of you, and if you enjoyed what you heard here, then please hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcast app. And join us on the next Neil Before Pod. They don't understand our trouble. I don't know him myself, but do we come from struggle? Because I'm like no superheroes around here, bruh. I'm like, he gotta be one of us. Gotta understand the hate and the distrust. Restore the feeling, put the love in us. My partner say I'm high, I must be smoking something. I said, you're right, I know the change, I know I'm feeling something. Stand up for something, or fall for anything. Lightning came with no rain. I saw a superhero last night, he was black. He said, this is for the hood, black lightning's back. We pray at night for the helpless. Hoping you get us through breakfast. Wishing somebody come save us. Black lightning's back, come to shock the haters.